Hello, fellow teachers. Welcome to the EduWell Podcast, a show created for teachers, by teachers, with teachers. I'm Alex Bush. And I'm Chelsea Henderson. With over 30 years of combined teaching experience, we're here to help you find balance in your professional and personal lives. Join us as we dive into a well of information, exploring insights, strategies, and practical tips that you can apply both within and beyond your classroom walls. So whether you're new to teaching or a seasoned expert, this podcast is for you. Let's be well and do well together. together. Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode. Today's episode is episode two and it's connections before curriculum, five ways to connect with students. And it is going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about why building connections is so foundational. And then we're going to list five tips that we feel are key for your success, for our success. So first off, the first question is, why? Why do we need to build connections? Why do it? Yeah. So we're just going to give a little preamble here, a little bit of info, because why do something that you don't value? You need to value this. I need to value this because it creates positive energy, connections, that is. It gives us us a sense of belonging, creates a safe and accepting and super joyful place to be every day. And I want to be in a place that is safe and accepting and joyful. And I want to have fun at work, Chelsea. That's right. Makes us feel comfortable. And to do this as a teacher, you have to have people skills. And teachers naturally have wonderful people skills. Mm -hmm. So we walk into this career and we have an opportunity to make such a difference right now because we are in an era whereby you could go days and days and days. You could interact with other humans, but it's all using technology. So we have an opportunity right now to connect on a different face-to-face level. I would suggest that our jobs are incredibly consequential. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we spend so much time in the classroom with our students and the community is just that much better when students have the connection and the benefits of making connections. The reality is that when we spend time building connections with our students, the payoff is definitely tenfold. Students who feel connected are actually far more likely to share and buy into what you and their peers are sharing in the classroom. Students who are connected to you and each other are less likely to treat one another poorly. We see this all the time in the classroom. Students who are connected feel secure and seen, and they're less likely to seek attention in negative ways, you know, because they have someone to go to, they have accountability, they have people they can rely on. And students who feel connected are actually more willing to take risks in their learning and take chances. And this is where the amazing new learning and creating can happen when we build these connections in our environments. That's the truth. Yeah. And I mean, as teachers, we can feel a disconnect too, right? Uh, all the time. We've talked about how uh, it's important to help yourself, especially if you're feeling isolated in your work. And you know, there was a time I will share that just a few years ago where I was feeling kind of disconnected. I sort of felt like uh, I'm doing things wrong and my classroom wasn't going exactly how I wanted it to be going. And I kind of took a step back and actually, you know, went on to the internet to do some research to see if I could figure something out. Perfect place to look. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I talked to people too, but I did come across a book by Dr. Jody Carrington and she's a psychologist and a speaker. And the book is called Kids These Days. And I do want to mention it on this podcast because I think it's a really awesome book for teachers to read because she gives so many strategies in the book on how to connect with kids. Okay. Okay. So before we dive into the well, I just want to mention a couple of key things to think about as we move forward in making connections in our classroom and even in our own families. 
One thing that stood out to me that Dr. Jody said in the book is that the ones who need it the most are often the hardest to give it to. I'm just going to repeat that one because it was really important. The ones who need it the most, the connections, are often the hardest to give it to. And second, the only way to teach our kids the most important skill, which is emotional regulation, is through connections and relationships and showing and modeling of this, especially in our profession. So I really keep these ideas with me at school and also at home with my own children. Well, let's keep those ideas in our mind as we bring forward our five tips of the day. Let's do it. All right. So let's talk about our first tip. And it is basic. And it is, I think, one of the most important. It's learning the students' names. Very important. (laughs) Some people might be turning off right now. And I understand that. But it is essential. So let me tell you why from the experts. So according to the University of British Columbia, Our names are an incredibly important part of our identity. They carry deep personal, cultural, familial, and historical connections. They also give us a sense of who we are, the communities in which we belong, and our place in the world. Names are our unique identifier. Feel-good hormones such as dopamine and serotonin are released into your brain when your ears encode that your name has just been said out loud, and this burst of excitement makes people happy and sends unconscious signals such as empathy, trust, and compassion to the unconscious brain. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, so names are very important. Um, And when I read that, I kind of started flipping it right away, and I started thinking about... um, the reason that students may not like to hear their names and they might associate their name being called with something that is not positive. And that could be, you know, from student experiences over the years. Um, So I think it's important that we also remember that um, and that we remember that we can affirm students without actually, you know, using their actual name. You have to know your students and feel it out who likes to have their name called and who kind of turns into a turtle as soon as they they hear their uh, name called. So my advice, tip-wise, is that when you get your class list, that you review, review, review. Know how to pronounce those names first. Because I know for me, when I don't know how to pronounce, I either avoid saying the name, I shorten the name, and then I'm not honoring what the student's name is. (laughs) Um, Or I say it wrong or I do this strange stutter. All things that, you know, aren't the best things to do. So get comfortable, practice the students' names, and you can talk to your colleagues who've taught the students before and asked about correct pronunciation. For me, I do go around my room and have the students say their name to me because sometimes I'll look at my list and I'll I'll get like some syllables incorrect and that'll get stuck in my head. So I really like hearing it from them. So it just gets right into my brain and it's almost like an auditory processing thing and then I have it there it's stuck there and I don't it prevents me from making mistakes with their names or syllables of their names in the future so I mean it's kind of an easy yeah you're also modeling to the students that you're a learner yeah and that you're putting time and effort and things just don't come to you Right? right? I think that's a, a, a lesson in itself. But uh, Oh, yes. It's a study lesson because oh. <laughs> I have them. I, I, they tell me their name and then I repeat it a few times, which mm-hmm. is actually kind of funny. And it gets a little awkward, but it's also kind of hilarious for everybody. And then I give myself a test in the class to see if I have everyone's name memorized. It goes over really well, actually. actually. So it's 
So it is a, a learning experience and it teaches them, yeah, re- repetition can be good sometimes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's I boring. <laughs> I have a, a story. My first few years at a new school and the students would all um, be in the gym on the first day of the, sc- of, of the school year. And we would have a list of all the students that were in our class. And so there were three names on the list, but I didn't even notice that. Mm-hmm. I called out the middle and the last name. And so I would be calling out the names and the students were all like looking at each other with like trepidation and like feeling all (laughs) nervous and didn't want to get up. And it was very awkward. And in my head, I'm like, oh, they're disappointed that they're in my class. They don't like me (laughs) or et cetera, et cetera. But it turns out I was calling the middle names and the last Mm name. So I had those poor kids all confused on their first day of school, but the year ended up just fine. Yeah. Now everybody knows my middle name too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I make lots of mistakes. What can I say? Exactly. And you know what? You've never done that again, have you? No, never. Good learning Of course not. (laughs) So once you get to know those names, you can work on tip number two, which is share some of yourself, but be aware of what you're sharing in your classroom. Right. So when you're getting to know your students, it's important that you share little bits of information about yourself and make sure that the information that you're sharing is attainable and relatable to every single student in your classroom. So when we share parts of ourselves, we're also showing what we value. So you really have to know your audience. So starting really general um, can can help to build. Uh, and, and what do I mean by that? So like what you share should be attainable to every student. If you talk about family and your family is nuclear and has never split up and you have the Canadian or the American dream and you're kind of showcasing that all the time, students who don't relate and identify like that could feel left out of the conversation. And I like to go with um, more open-ended and more, um, what's the word, more universal, connectable um, shares. That really helps me to bring everybody into the conversation. So it's it's about walking forward mindfully about what you share with the class, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning, because you don't want to shut out conversations. You want all the kids to know that even if their story is different than yours, that it is equally of value. So start off the the year light. You know, you could you could do something like the teacher test to get conversation flowing to have some fun in your class. And the teacher test is where you put up a list of questions about yourself, about the teacher. For example, how many grades do you think I've taught? Or do you think that I've ever gone skydiving? What is my favorite food? So these are just on the surface questions and everybody does the test in the class and they give you the answers. And after when you discuss it, it's really kind of hilarious what they're kind of assuming things about you, but then you give them the correct answers. And that's just a fun, easy way for them to start getting to know you, who you are. And it's kind of cool when you trick them into think that they're having a test on the first day of school. A little bit of panic. A little bit of panic, but I mean, it never really gets past them. They're really like, "Mm, okay, try me. (laughs) Yeah. And by doing things like that, we're creating commonalities, which is our third tip. So how do we create those commonalities in the classroom and keep them going for the whole year? Right. So you're sharing with students about you and over time you're learning about them. So I think to create commonalities in the classroom, it's important to weave those interests that the students have 
uh, into your into your lessons and into your sharing. And for me, when I do that, I'm noticing that the students in my classroom are perking up when they're hearing themselves reflected in my lessons and in the learning and in the conversations. And I think that adding a variety of different stories to your classroom that students can relate to, you know, increases engagement and helps you to find out more about what they want to learn. Yeah, definitely. So we need to bring the interests of the students into the classroom. Absolutely. But we can also bring in our own interests, which can make our work that much more enjoyable because we are all about making our work enjoyable. Yep. So this is another way to be well and do well at work. So for instance, if I want to put more focus on digital literacy in my classroom, uh, a workshop about gaming and gambling online has come to my attention. And I know that many of my students are interested in gaming. Well, I want to learn more about the dangers of gaming and gambling. So I sign up for the workshop and we all win well we all win we don't win win the the gambling (laughs) game but we all win by learning yes is that what you mean that's exactly okay good (laughs) nobody's winning the jackpot on that one no no a helpful question to ask students at the beginning of the year whether it's in a discussion or on paper is what do you expect from me as your teacher and you change the focus from here is what I expect from you. This is the list of rules, etc. This question lets them know that we care about their thoughts and their feelings. And the answers to the, this question can spark more meaningful conversations on how we all want to be treated in the classroom. And of course, it validates the ideas that we're, we're there to help each other and to be accepting and understanding. It allows the students to be heard and it lets them know that you really do care what they expect in their environment. And in those conversations, you're going to get all kinds of different answers. And, you know, they'll say, you know, well, here, well, I think we should eat ice cream every day and chew gum every day. And I'm not going to say, how dare you say that? I'm going to have to try to redirect them carefully. And that is our fourth point. That right? is our fourth point, And it's a good one. And the way that you interact with students in a moment to moment basis can be a conversation starter, a relationship builder, a connector, or you can just like end it right then and there. Like <laughs> it, it, it really is a dance. And teachers of the world are, are conductors in this. They are, they mm. do this masterfully. So I, the tip is tip four redirect carefully. We're going to talk about this, I think, in every single episode. When you a student answers in a way that is inappropriate or in a way, not inappropriate, but off topic, or they, the answer is completely wrong and off track, right. how you respond in that moment is key. You have to still give the student hope that they can be successful. You have to make sure that you're not damaging the relationship and create it as an opportunity for learning. So, Having a growth mindset with students in the classroom, you guarantee that students are more likely to add their two cents. I know for me personally, when I know that my ideas and opinions and answers um, are honored and that I'm not going to be, you know, judged or put down when I share them, I'm more inclined to share. And in doing so, in creating that environment where students openly share, you don't miss out on learning. You don't miss out on getting to know the students. Okay, so let me try to give a concrete example of what I mean by that. Um, Let's say you do a read aloud, you ask an open-ended question, a student answers, and they've completely missed the big idea of the read aloud, okay? But they've had this confident moment where they've put up their hand and they've been vulnerable. Listen to the answer, let it sit for a moment, and Take the pieces of the answer that you can salvage, whether it's the answer, a bit of the answer itself, or that the student sat up and spoke confidently, 
or that they were the only person that put up their hand in the classroom, or that they waited so long and showed patience, you know, or that they respected their peers, whatever it may be, you have to focus on that and not the piece where the student is wrong. Uh, I know early in my career, I definitely would have been guilty of just a uh, nope, <laughs> you know, and not giving the student that that belief that, you know, what they contributed, you know, has value, even if it wasn't wrong. So that puts focus on the process and not on product and always just being right. And if you're able to create an environment where you do that on a day-to-day basis, you're going to increase your buy-in and your relationships, and your connections, and your watch, your students will start showing that same grace to each other, and you're modeling that in your classrooms. And that is how culture is built. So speaking of culture, that brings us to our final tip of the day, which is tip number five, it's important to build tradition in your classroom. Start thinking about what you already do that is patterned on a regular basis and a tradition in your classroom. Name it and be mindful about it. Don't think large events and time-consuming activities. Traditions can be small and meaningful acts that give students something to look forward to and a sense of community and belonging. All right, Chelsea, let's throw out a few traditions right now. Okay, well, you could do Fun Fridays where you play a game every Friday. You might want to do Riddle of the Week. Students look forward to solving those. Or maybe you could throw a Wordle up every day on your smart board. Just something that you repeat in your classroom that students look forward to. And we're going to take a deep dive into this in our next episode, which is Building Connections Part 2. So make sure you tune in for that one. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. So let's review what we've scooped out of the well today. All right. When it comes to building connections, learn the names of the students first. It shows students that we care and that we see them. Second, be vulnerable and share some of yourself with students, but be cautious about what you're sharing. And third, create those commonalities. Doing this makes the environment more enjoyable for everyone. Fourth, encourage students always and redirect carefully. We always need to put the relationship with the students first. And fifth, build traditions into your classroom. Start small and meaningful. Thank you so much for listening today. Again, we hope you find some of these tips helpful as you continue in your school year startup. Until next time, be well and do well.